Hey guys, it's Dr. Chloe, and I just wanted to come on and give you a quick thank you. Your support over season one of the podcast has been incredible, and I'm so, so very grateful for each and every one of you. It really means the world to me. We are currently taking a short break while we regroup and reorganize for season two, and I can't wait to get new episodes out to you soon. I also want to let you all know that I am creating a new community in school, S-K-O-O-L. So check the link in the show notes. You can sign on and join the group for free for the next month. And in there, I'm going to be uploading a couple of different courses that I've put together in order to help you optimize your health and the health of your family so that you can really feel empowered in making the decisions that you need to when it comes to your healthcare journey, whether it's the food that you're eating at home or the work that you're doing with a practitioner. So check it out. I'm really excited to be able to connect more directly with you all there. And I'm excited that it's going to be free for the time being. And you'll be grandfathered into that if you sign up now. So check it out. And I will see you there. I hope everybody's doing wonderfully. And I'll talk to you soon. Hey, guys, it's Dr. Chloe. And you're listening to the Radical Remedy Podcast. Today's guest is Matthew Newell. He is the co-founder and co-director of the Family Hope Center out in Philadelphia. Now, this is absolutely one of my top programs for children and adults with neurological disharmony. So I highly recommend that you not only listen to this episode, but check out the one we released last week by Dr. Robert Malello. And next week, we've got an awesome episode with my dear friend, Dr. Patrick Porter. So these three episodes are really just focused on brain health and how essential it is that we really optimize our brains so that we can live our best lives and so that we can support our children in their development so that they can live their best lives. I really love talking to Matthew. I'm blown away by their program time and time again. I cannot recommend it more highly for anybody who is looking for support for their children. Definitely check out their book and they also have a parent training conference look into them. I'll put all the information in the show notes and please let me know how you guys are enjoying the podcast. I'm so happy to be here with Matthew Newell, who is the co-director of the Family Hope Center, one of the programs that Remy has been doing ever since he got his diagnosis. And it's really been life-changing for us. So I'm really honored to have you here, Matt, and uh, really excited to talk to you today. Well, thank you, Chloe. Thank you for creating this forum so that we could reach folks who have children with um, challenges, all types of neurological challenges. We can give them some options and thoughts and things to consider as they navigate this really, really difficult place where they love their children. And then all of a sudden there is an injury to the central nervous system and all these symptoms appear that are confusing. And um, yeah, it's been a pleasure to work with you, pleasure to work with your son and help you sort out the neurology and uh, help help develop his brain. So he could be Remy 2.0. Oh, yeah. No, he's, uh, I mean, I literally, the year before we started the program with you guys, I was home with him and he was doing 20 therapy sessions a week with early intervention. And I was home with him doing probably about 40 hours of typical therapy with him. And he was doing supplements and cranial sacral and all that stuff. And he made next to no progress. And then within, I think, six months of starting your progress, he almost doubled his neurological age. So it really was just a total game changer for him. You know, now when, when you were doing that, did Remy get happier when you changed over and you made twice as much progress? Did you see not only the neurological change, but did you see his personality begin to uh, kind of develop? 
Oh, he's so much happier and so much more engaged. Like it was uh, it was funny. We just went to the zoo this past weekend and Remy was bugging out over all the, the animals, which he's been doing for a while now. But it's such a stark difference to the first two years of his life where I would just take him to the zoo or wherever all the time. And he just had no engagement with it. You know, like he wouldn't even seem like he noticed the animals. And now he's yabbering at them. He's tracking them with his eyes so much better he's he's looking to me to tell me about what's going on with the animals i might not understand what he's saying but it's still it's just it's i took so many videos because i was just so blown away at at how engaged and how happy um he is now which is such a difference that's tremendous so so the fact that he's engaging more you engage with him so instead of managing his neurological challenges you're developing his brain and then he can engage more and then you engage with him. And, and that's what I just, that's my why about why I get up every day is I watch the shift from management to engagement, from confusion to clarity and to, from, from taking it personally that somehow my child got hurt to personally shifting my day from kind of dealing with the symptoms to engaging his brain. And uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of joy going back and forth when a child can begin looking at their parents' eyes and they see the sweetness and happiness that the parents have in watching them grow, right? as opposed to the sadness that, that sometimes children look back in parents' eyes because the parents are sad that the child's not progressing and time is moving forward and they don't know what to do and... Um, Awesome, Corey. I love that. I love that he can do that. <clears throat> and you know what? He's going to continue to do that because the brain grows by use. The brain's supposed to develop. And if you target the right parts of the brain, Remy's just going to get better. There is no reason why he can't continue to neurologically progress through his brain stem and into his upper levels of his cortex. So bravo to you that you followed the option and went for it and engaged his brain as opposed to engaged his symptoms. Yeah, no, it's 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 been a remarkable shift for him. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how the program works and how people get started and, you know, sort of some of the stuff that you guys look into and help the parents with? Well, sure. I, you know, if you have a child, you know, with a situation where they're not reading, they're not writing, they're struggling with their social, they're hiding under the table, they hold their hands over their ears all the time, they have trouble self-regulating, they have real difficult time upregulating into, you know, nice events. They have trouble downregulating when it's time to go to bed at night. When kids who are paralyzed or legs are crossed or their eye turns in or they have seizures, all these things can be incredibly confusing to parents. And and so I've been working in the field of neurodevelopment for close to forty years now. I started when I was twenty-four, working with brain injured young adults and training them and teaching them how to grow their brain and teaching them reading, writing, and arithmetic. And I ran at school for about seven years. And having done neurological activities with them that actually grew their brain, I kind of learned from my bones that certain things will change the brain and certain things will not. Although they look like they'll, they'll be like great, they actually don't change the central nervous system all that much compared to the effort that you're putting in. So along the way, uh, I continued to study and, and see thousands of children. And we started the Family Hope Center uh, basically in, nine, in 2001, my wife and I. 
She's a co-director. She works with kids who are blind, deaf, and social issues and reading conditions and so on. And we we started an approach that really looks at developing the entire brain, but really bringing parents into the equation, knowing that the family is the central position where healing works. So my general principle is that, look, if the child trusts the healer, then things are going to work out. If the person who's who's hurt for whatever particular reason trusts who's bringing in the information and sees the confidence in their eyes and sees the confidence in how they touch them and kiss them and hold them, then good things are going to work. And you can't scientifically measure that, but you can see it functionally. And, and so when our approach was, oh, we have to involve the families, we have to teach them what we know, and we have to teach them how to be us. We have to teach them how to see the brain as a bottom-up kind of hierarchical complexity approach. So you have these levels of the brain that nobody really talks about. You have the medulla for the reflexes, the pons is next. Then you have the midbrain, which is the thalamus and the basal ganglia and all these unbelievably beautiful parts of the brain that help you coordinate your body, convert your vision, depth perception, understanding logic, uh, being able to regulate your emotions. And it's sits below the limbic system, which is controlled by your sense of smell, which is all your emotions in short-term memory, and then appears your cortex. So you've got these levels below your cortex that if you understand them and you know how they operate and you know the rules of gravity or you know the rules of electricity, you can support, develop, grow, restore, and do that in a way that doesn't drive you into confusion. You can say, oh, I understand why my son does these things. It's totally predictable because his brain is really in distortion. He's got four levels of his brain stem. And then we're looking at the visual pathway, the auditory pathway, the tactical pathway, the mobility pathway, the manual pathway, language pathway, and the emotional pathway. So you have seven pathways operating under four major chunks of the brain, not including even the cerebellum, that if you teach parents what's going wrong, they get excited. They go, oh my gosh, wow, now I'm informed. Before, I was in confusion. And one therapist was doing this, and the other therapist was doing that. And that therapist, was, I was running around with my pants on fire, being a great mother, that I spent 15 hours a week in the car, 15 hours a week watching him get therapy. And then at home, I really wasn't sure what I could do to support that, because I have some downtime that I would like to participate, but I never really just thought, why I'm doing this? There's no goals. No one's telling me, oh, in six months, your child should be able to do this, this, and this. If I do this, this should happen. And it doesn't happen. And now I'm in such confusion, like, oh, could somebody please tell me what's happening in the neurology of my child so I don't have a panic attack every single day when he blows up at Costco's, you know, or he won't go to bed, or he pees and poops, or he has epileptic seizures, or he won't come out of the bathroom at a family party because it's too noisy, I mean, all these things we teach parents. So what we do is we say, here's how the brain operates. Here's some of the, the components to support the healing of the brain. Here's some of the treatments that you could actually do at home or in school with whoever wants to participate and put this all together. And our approach is bottom up. You have these seven pathways. If, if, you're, if your child's challenged, and we measure all seven pathways, 
there's probably distortion on every pathway. So you're taking seven different pathways that are in distortion and you're trying to make them come up with an ideal solution and your child can't possibly perform at the level that you want. It, it, it's just not possible. I had so many people trying to get Remy. I got so much pushback from Remy's therapist being like, well, let's put him in a gate trainer. Let's put him in a stander. And I was like, no, let's have him crawl. <laughs> like, yeah. we need to actually, like, I don't want him moving past that step so that once he's walking, I want him to actually be able to have the balance and have the awareness of where he is in space. So he's not falling down all the time. And then he's just a hazard to to hurt his head even further. Exactly. And and, and the structure. So, you know, you make a great point. So they, they the therapists want kids to walk and then they put them in walkers and they go, oh, he's walking, he's walking. And everybody's kind of joyous. And for me, I'm on the other side of that equation going, no, he's not walking. He's using a gait trainer or he's using this. And your point, I think, is important to make is that when you're crawling on your belly, you're developing your structure, you're developing your feet, you're developing your hips, you're developing your spine. And so that when you stand up, you're like a tree. And then you have to coordinate the tree. That's your midbrain. And then you have to decide where you're going to go. And that's your cortex. Because if you fast forward and bypass the lower levels of the brain, there are huge gaps in the child's ability to coordinate and create the structure so they're walking on the inside of the feet, the knees are bent, their balance is compromised, and they're not sure where to walk, and they trip and fall down, their reflexes aren't developed, so they smash their face on the floor. And and so now they have AFOs, and now they have braces, and now they have things, a walker, and they walk up on their toes, and they pattern their brain to walk on their toes, and you're supposed to pattern your brain to walk from your heel to your toes, so the reflexes are activated. And so all we want to do is say, well, what is normal? What is wellness? And depending on, on a scale of one to 10, if 10 is walking with a beautiful cross pattern or running in a beautiful cross pattern, and one is, I just got born yesterday. It takes the average child three years to run in a perfect cross pattern. Well, where along that continuum is my child? If my child is a two, I should start at a two. I should not jump to a seven. No matter what his age is, he could be 10. Yeah. And, and if he gets hurt in a car accident, or a virus at 10, and he goes all the way back to a one, I should recapitulate the whole developmental process so he can be restored back to where he was rather than going, well, let's start at eight. Let's get him up and standing up and let's pretend. Wait a minute, he got hurt. All the lower levels of the brain went offline. I got to redevelop the fuse box. I got to pull the fuses out, rewire the brain, put them back in, test them. And, and maybe I put on the hair dryer in the refrigerator and the stove blows out. Well, now I got to go back to the lower levels of the brain and continue, meticulously fire up those neurons and get them to re-engage because the brain will grow by stimulating the lower levels, first, second, third, and fourth. And so oh, it's amazing. Book, yeah, it, it's, it takes awareness, Chloe. It takes people, when people see it at our parent training conference, Last time I taught a parent training conference, there were families, families from five different countries. We had, and there were families who had a ninth grade education, and there were parents who had their PhD. There were half a dozen doctors in the class. There were businessmen in the class. And everybody starts from the same place. We love our children. We're hurt. We're confused. And we want to participate. We, we, we know that we, we don't want to be alone either. We, we want to be surrounded by people who care just as much about this as we do. And we just want, we just want common sense to prevail. 
and we know that, hey, you know what? If I change my nutrition, okay, I'm not really, I'm not, I don't really, really understand what gluten free, dairy free, sugar free is. I don't really understand what CoQ10 does. I don't really understand what magnesium does for seizures. But you know what? I'm willing to learn something as long as it makes common sense. It doesn't hurt my child. I can participate and I can measure the development of my child over a six month period of time to ensure that I'm heading on the right track. And so one of the things that we teach parents, is how do you measure the brain? How do you come up with a neurological age? And you, you correlate it to the chronological age. And then every six months, there's, there's a, an accountability. Kind of like kids graduate first grade. They have to be able to read at least 100 words, be able to write 100 words, you know, be able to add and subtract basic words from 1, from one to 20. And if they can't do that, the teachers are going, oh, does he need more time? Um, does he need to stay back another year and repeat the information? Does he need a better teacher? I mean, you know, you go through this kind of your criteria to graduate first grade before you get to second grade. We we measure and teach parents to be involved, and that's called intention. Parents have a lot of intention to see change. So do brothers and sisters, by the way. Brothers and sisters are highly, highly. Um, motivated to watch their brothers get better. And when they don't see their kids get better, yeah. their brothers and sisters get better. When they see their, they can get traumatized too. If you have a child, if you have a brother and sister who's got, whose who's sister had seizures or sister has, has unbelievable meltdowns, hits them, rages across the house, they get traumatized and they just shut down and they start disappearing out of the house. And, but, and parents are exasperated because they have this hurt child who they don't understand who's blowing up the house, who's the house being controlled by them. And then they have the well child being traumatized. And now they're between a rock and a hard place. And you're saying, well, okay, everybody says I should just medicate this child. But a, a year later, nothing's changed except my child's on medication and he has less function because he's sleepy all the time. And I'm containing a storm. But I don't know what to do about that storm. Well, and that's always treating, you know, in Chinese medicine, we talk about treating the the branch versus treating the root. You know, like in in those situations, if you're just using meds to like help the child sleep or help the child calm down, you know, the child's acting out because there's something wrong. Yeah. And I think that that's why I think that going to the root of the root of the root and being patient with the brain and being patient with parents is really at the heart of what the Family Hope Center tries to do. So, I wanted to take a moment and talk to you about Radical Roots. So I founded this company when my son Remy was diagnosed with a rare genetic disorder and intractable epilepsy. As a doctor of Chinese medicine, I knew that the best way to support his complex neurological and physiological needs would be through dynamic Chinese herbal formulas. I also started studying the incredible effects of hemp and its ability to support and regulate the brain and the body. By combining targeted Chinese herbal formulas with complete spectrum hemp and using a unique alchemical spagyric extraction technique, we have created formulas that are true game changers. Honestly, I truly believe that these are some of the most powerful herbal formulas on the market. Please check out RadicalRootsHerbs.com, use the code RADREMEDY, and get 15% off your first order. I'm so, so proud of these, and I think you guys are going to love them as much as I do. Oh, well, I didn't name it the Family Hope Center. A, a mother did. I was going to name it 
oh, the Institute for Neurological Reorganization or something kind of scientific like that. Kind of. <laughs> and I was going, you, I you will not name it that. What you've given to me in my child was you give my child knowledge, you give my child a funding chance. You never left us alone. You supported and guidance. My child was having seizures and sat in the middle of the floor and rocked every day and couldn't talk. And now he's walking, he's talking, he's in school. So he doesn't have any seizures anymore. And you gave my family hope. Oh, you should call it the Family Hope Center. And I thought that was the goofiest name ever. <laughs> but, you know, it is exactly when the family sees an answer and he sees there's a methodical, scientific compassionate approach to restoring the brain of their child, no matter if they're in a coma or whether they're two years behind their peers and reading around arithmetic, it is still the brain. It is still a beautiful human being. They exist within a family that loves them. And if there's a neurological approach that gets to the root of the injury, then we have a shot at healing rather than managing. And sometimes we do have to help the branches. Oh, definitely. Sometimes we have to prune it, prune it, branch there. But in the meanwhile, you're pruning a branch, but you're solving the roots. Exactly. And then the soil, as you say, it's sitting in muck. You know, my backyard was a little was a little pile in my backyard where water kept I planted a beautiful tree back there, and water kept piling up in this one section. And so I put about two and a half thousand pounds of dirt in that whole area. I manicured it all out and I put a drain system in. And then I put grass on it. And now what I do is I'm preventing that tree from getting too much water and getting toxic. And the tree's doing better. And so sometimes um, you have to find out, okay, what is the what is the root of the root of why you had seizures? Cranial pressure? Is the uh, Chinese five elements out of balance? Is it that his diet is full of uh, uh, refined processing sugars? Is it because his liver is not happy? Is it because he's not getting a routine of sleep? Is it because his reticular formation in his ponds is not organized and he can't balance his breathing? We are hunters and we hunt for the answers and we hunt with the parents. And um, when they show up, we just want to lay it out on the table to them in a way that they could digest it. And then, of course, we have a three-day parent conference that we have in five different continents. The, the neurodevelopmental disorders in our country and in the world are just exploding. Um, well, in New Jersey, they have the highest amount of children on the spectrum per capita than any state in the United States. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, what I would love to know statistically, well, what's the difference between South, South Jersey and North Jersey? And of course, North Jersey is very industrial and South Jersey is very far. But what, wait a minute, if it was in South Jersey, you would say, hmm, I wonder why that is. Could it be the herbicides and the pesticides that we're putting on the plants and the vegetables and the strawberries and the berries and the toxins we're putting on the farm food? It was more... Public north- glyphosate? Yeah. Or is it North Jersey where we have all the refineries and the water tables contaminated? And that's where we, you know... Like, it would be interesting to tunnel down as a society in New Jersey. New Jersey should be freaking out. And the governor should be freaking out saying, what's happening where we have the highest form of, we have the highest number of children with autism spectrum disorder in the country? What are we doing? Obviously, something's happening to the environment. Something's happening to the birth. Something's happening to immunizations. Whatever it is, we got to find it. Well, and I think that 
that's what's so important. Like you mentioned, what is it? I think, you know, so many people are looking for a one-to-one correlation. And I love your program because instead of looking for a one-to-one thing, you're saying these are all the ways to support your child no matter what, no matter how or why they're hurt. And and really, I don't think that these developmental disorders are a one-to-one correlation. I think normally it's an additive insult to the child's nervous system and immune system, uh, whether it's in utero or after, that's causing yes. developmental challenges because um, there's so much going on in our environment right now. Yeah, it's true. So I recently gave one of my friend's moms runs an early intervention center um, and she asked me to come in to talk and I thought it was going to be to a bunch of a bunch of therapists. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go through a bunch of Family Hope Center stuff. I'm going to teach them how important it is for smells and crawling and all this stuff. And I got there and it was uh, actually like the care coordinators. So they weren't interested in the neurology of it that I've been studying so much. But what their main question was, was uh, how do we get families to accept services and accept a diagnosis and accept um, accept help for their children? And, you know, what I kept coming back to, you know, again, was was hope. You know, if you have hope that what you're doing can actually help your child then that's pretty that's pretty damn motivating you know and and you guys really do provide not only the hope but the education and the support i mean it's it's really such a comprehensive program but that hope is just so so important uh because it's it's just lost in a lot of in a lot of families yeah and working with kids for close to 40 years I'm hopeful as a person. I mean, some people are hopeful as at, in, in terms of their personalities, and some people are last half full, and some are half empty. And, and hope can go away pretty quickly if you're trying something again and again and again, and nothing changes. And if you are looking around and everyone's saying the same thing, like your child's blind, your child's never going to see, give it up. Or your child's got autism, and there's no cure. Or your child's got epilepsy and you're going to be on medication the rest of your life and that's it. Or your child's Down syndrome. I mean, they're never going to have it. Uh, a level of education higher than a three-year-old. Um, they said that to my adopted daughter who had chemical dependencies in her brain from uh, her birth situation. We adopted her at five months old and she struggled neurologically. And when I finally put her in school at third grade um, to give her some chance to be in, in third grade to see how that would go. The teachers quickly sent me a letter that said, hey, uh, Mr. Noel, Mr. and Mrs. Lowe, your daughter's mentally retarded. And this is, this is, you know, back in 19, you know, 95, 98, you know, like your, your child's mentally retarded. Excuse me? What does that mean? And then when we went for the IEP, they sat down and said, Mr. and Mrs. Noel, you shouldn't expect anything more than your child to read at the third grade level. We've been through this thing the whole time. And your child will never read higher than a third grade level. And your expectations that you're going to get your child to read and do all these things are unrealistic. And you're putting uh, undue pressure on your daughter and you're putting undue pressure on us because the brain is the brain and that's the way it rolls. And at the table at the IEP, there were three clinical psychologists and two occupational therapists. There was the principal of the school, the vice principal of the school, and the two teachers. And my wife and I were sitting at one end of the table. We weren't sitting at the middle of the table, like the conference. We were sitting at the end of the table as if we were bad little parents. And we were being delivered, you know, the hammer. And this is the way life was going to roll. None of them knew that we, in our little finger, knew more about the neurological development of our child than everybody at the table combined. 
And when I started to ask them some poignant questions, they completely folded their tent. And I said, okay, so here's all I want you to do. I just want you to put her schoolwork in her book bag every night before she gets on that school bus. And then as soon as she arrives, if she could please just grab her school book, from her book bag, and give the homework to the teachers. All I care about. And when I, I send you the vitamins, she has to go down to the nurse at lunchtime, and she has to get a CoCo10 and vitamin C and her particular nutrients for her brain because her brain is still has a problem with being born with kind of alcohol and drugs in her brain. We're solving it, but she still needs some organic nutrients to support her brain from being 150 degrees to 98.6. Could you just make sure she goes to the nurse at lunch? And he looked at me with a bemused and annoyed chase. Mary graduated from college with 3.2.97. She's a lieutenant in the fire department. She's an EMS rescuer. She volunteers at another firehouse. She's uh, looking to go into becoming a police officer from state. I mean, she is a workaholic and a basketball player. And a, and, and I refuse to believe that there's no hope. <laughs> and I think what I deliver hope is because I we deliver, here's how the brain works. Here's how it changes. Here's how you can be involved. This is a scientific, neurologically designed bottom-up particle complexity model. You plug in here. Then we do this, and then you see this, and we measure it. And then here's parents for the last 20 years have been doing this. Here's their changes over time. If they execute, right? If you execute working out every day, you'll be fit. If you execute having a pretty good diet that's sugar-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, chemical-free, your brain will stop being so foggy, and your emotions will get higher, and your ability to, to you know, crash the party will be higher. You know, You'll just be like, on top of it. So if you execute certain therapeutic protocols, then you win. And if you turn management into restoration, because I don't tell parents, look, you got to work harder. No, no, no. I just say, you got to work smarter. Instead of doing this, you do this. Instead of doing this. And here's the result. And they go, oh, you mean there is hope? There is neuroplasticity? Function does determine structure. (laughs) And I can participate. I don't have to sit there and watch a train wreck every day and put out fires every day. I can be five minutes ahead of the fire as opposed to five minutes behind the fire. It's just a 10 minute shift. So it's kind of like hope comes from having a reasonable solution that is doable. And then you see that she's like, Remy, if Remy didn't change in the last couple of years, despite your work, you would feel hopeless. Of course. Remy began to change in six months. Well, you were probably feeling hopeless after two years of therapy, 40 hours a week. You were doing something and you were feeling hopeless. But you know what you had, Chloe? You had three more days of hope left. Yeah. And you went, okay, I'm going to go to the family office center. Sounds like they're centralized. They want to fix the heal. They want to heal the brain. And they aren't going to deal with the symptoms. They feel like if they fix the brain, the symptoms will go away. Okay. And they want parents to be involved. Oh, that's a pretty good thing. Since I'm a parent, that makes sense to me. It means I don't have to be like, I'm just going to go out and sit in that room. I'm going to see if these guys make sense. And if they make sense to me, then I'm going to try to do what they do for a minimum of six months. Because if it works, I'll see it work. And I'll watch the brain develop based on what I do. And then a door opens up. A little bit of light comes in the room. Oh, my God, there it is. And that hope drives you to get up every day because it's giddy up. It's like, okay, I'm happy now. I'm, I'm a productive mother. Instead of being a nurse, I can go back to being a mother. 
I could be an engineering mother. And if I change this diet to this diet, no big deal. My kid gets a little bit of a panic attack because he doesn't have sugar anymore. But, you know, 30 days from now, he won't care. You know, and if I give him butternut squash as opposed to pasta, eh, he'll eventually like that too. <laughs> and, and if I give him organic meats and vegetables as opposed to regular vegetables, yes, it's about $800 more a year. But, you know, that really fancy vacation that we used to have, I'll just pull that down anyway because it was a wreck because that vacation was wrecked because my kid was a wreck. And so they begin to get excited because there's change. And so they get hope because they enter into a lecture where the information's hopeful because it's true, it's scientific. And um, then they actually do it, and then there's joy. Anything you have joy in, you'll be prosperous. Well, and you guys do just such an incredible job. I mean, I had studied so much um so many things before Remy got diagnosed. So he was diagnosed at like two and a half. And so we started the Family Hope Center just a couple months after he was diagnosed. And so I'd spent almost two full years studying everything I could get my hands on. And when I went to the parent training conference, I was it was just, it blew me away. It was everything I'd studied. So it made sense to me, you know, from a practitioner and from a mother's standpoint. But it was put together in such a comprehensive way that I just felt so empowered going home with Remy, even just from that three-day seminar. And then going back and meeting with you guys one-on-one and having you guys meet Remy and test him and give him a protocol and, and give us information as to what we were going to do at home. You know, it, was, it, it really changed our lives. It's, it's a dream come true for me to be able to do that. I mean, I, I, I can't say it was easy for, for Carol and I to put the parent conference because we... <laughs> we really wanted to say, okay, what can we do in three days to really put parents in, in a place where A, they could learn it without being overwhelmed, B, they could um, see the practicality of the wisdom of how the brain was created and how it could be you know, developed, and C, how can they turn their grief and their sadness and their disappointment and the fact that they can barely breathe into um, kind of a, a, the joy of kind of bouncing off your toes because you can't wait for Christmas Day to go home. And parents tell me at the beginning of the third day, I can't wait to go home. Okay, I came in here dragging my feet thinking, oh my God, here's another way that people are going to tell me that there's a limit. And now I can't wait to go home. And for us, it's, you know, we'd probably be changing that lecture, you know, 50 times. You know, we've taught it well over, you know, 300, 500 times, and we we keep tweaking it, going, okay, we have new information. How are we going to fold this into a way that's practical, meaningful, scientific, and the parents can make it, and parents can do it? You know what I really, really like? Sometimes I, I stand up and I go, okay, before we start, is there anybody that's skeptical in this room about what you're about to hear for the next 30 hours? And nobody raises their hand. Maybe one brave person will raise their hand. And I go, well, first of all, everybody in this room should be skeptical. Because you've just had... If your kid's 10, you had 10 years of therapy that hasn't worked. And then along comes an organization that says, we think we can grow the brain the brain of your child with your involvement, with your involvement. And you're probably, you should be saying to yourself, I don't quite believe what he's saying. I don't, because my experience shows me that that doesn't work. Because all the other therapists and all the other trainings and the psychologists and neurologists told me that I couldn't get my blind kid to see, I couldn't get my kid to walk. He has this genetic condition. He's ADD, ADHD, he's Down syndrome, he's cerebral palsy, he's autism. I mean, he's got five different diagnoses. And he's got this genetic thing that nobody knows what it's all about. And he's one in 1,000. And oh my gosh. So everybody should. So I said, you should arrive a little bit skeptical. 
But that doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means that your eyes are wide open, that you've got a complicated neurological situation that you don't understand. Nobody seems to develop a plan for it. And we're about to give you that plan. And some people say, why, why haven't I heard about you if you're so good? Because we don't spend a tremendous amount of time, Chloe, advertising, which is why it's so cool to be on a podcast with you. My head is nose to nose with kids all day long. And my our thrill is to be able to take something that's complex and make it um, where you're shaking your head going, I knew that. That makes sense. That makes sense. And we're putting it together so that you can make sense of your child's neurological situation. Because the child's problems are the brain injury that you're seeing. They're not the child. And that's really important to remember all the time. I am so happy to have you here today. And it's been such an honor. You've given us so much information and such a great start. Um, where can families find you? And what's the first steps that they can really take to, uh, to get moving on this journey? Well, um, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having us. Thank you for being out there yourself. And uh, one of my mentors uh, once said, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Um, and I think that means that, you know, when we're confronted with these existential but realistic, uh, these real issues that um, we're still moving forward. And I, I appreciate you putting us on there. I appreciate the effort that you're putting out there to inform parents. Uh, and so if, if those who want to um, talk to us, Obviously, our website, familyhopecenter.com, has a lot of information, has lectures on it that I pre-recorded for what does the brain do, how does it operate, and has broken down in individual diagnoses um, of how our approach is to help those individual diagnoses. It also has lots of stories from parents who have successfully supported and developed and restored the brains of their children. There's a lot of scientific information on there about our wheat family and our studies and our results of over... 15 years results from a nationally uh, organized, internationally developed system for measuring neurological organization that has been government approved. So there's a lot of data there. But I also encourage everybody to call us uh, on our phone number, 610-397-1737, and call us, talk to our team, uh, find out whether, in fact, we can help you, whether, in fact, your particular injury is, um, we're able to support you, um, the staff bring me questions all the time, and I call parents if they need some help uh, and thoughts. So call us, go on our website, reach out to us by email. We have a full clinical team that's devoted and works together to support families with children with neurological situations. And we're also very, very, very happy to have professionals come, occupational therapists and physical therapists and OTs and you know anybody that's it's really you know frustrated and wants to get another piece. Um, we hope to provide parents with those options. And uh, uh, that's, that's why, that's our why. That's how we get up every day. And uh, we're happy to help parents in that way. Well, thank you. You guys really are some of the most mission-driven humans I've ever met. And it, uh, it's, it's, it's really amazing to see. And, and you guys are so driven because, you know, you see the results and you know what's possible. And I, I was telling Dr. Kristen, I was like, you know, once you once you see a child heal, it's it's impossible to unsee that and to to not push for more for other children. And and so I'm so grateful for all that you guys are doing. Well, great. Well, thanks so much. Bye, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Radical Remedy podcast. 
The Radical Remedy podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice, and no doctor-slash-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.